Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Memchas in Meseches Bavakama. We are in the parak of Shoshan Agachas Apara. Uh, let's start Mem Zayinam Abayz. We have two dots. You see the two dots? Halfway down the wide, or eight lines down in the wide. Mesve. Rav had a ruling yesterday that was very simple, Barry. It says, if you eat it, it's on you. Okay? Meaning, if the animal eats uh, as a form of nezek, they're eating something, and then the animal gets damaged by what they ate, nobody is going to be blamed other than, so to speak, the owner of the animal. In other words, the owner of the animal is the one that sustains the damage because their animal died okay, from eating something it wasn't supposed to eat. Who's supposed to pay for that? So you could say, well, the person who put out that food is supposed to pay for that. Or you could say, well, now we're going to get into a uh, discussion whether the person who put out the food had the authority to do so or not, right? Did Barry have the authority to put his fruit in Andrew's yard? Andrew's dog is walking around. All of a sudden, there's this fruit baskets of peaches that Barry put in. He never told Andrew about it. Nobody ever knew about it. And Andrew's dog, sure enough, eats the peaches and dies. So Rav's, uh, Rav's uh, halacha was... If Andrew's dog is the one that ate it and did it to himself, then whatever damage is caused to Andrew's dog based off of that eating is not going to be something that Barry will have to pay for. Because after all, Barry didn't do anything directly to Andrew's dog, right? It, Andrew's, so there's no mazik here, right? Andrew's dog ate it on its own. That was the principle of Rav. We're going to kick this around and challenge it from various sources and... Hopefully through that, we're going to be able to fine-tune a little bit that halacha as follows. Says the Gemara, Okay, so now we have a woman. She's grinding wheat by, a, uh, by someone's house. She doesn't even have permission, but she doesn't have access to her own grinder. So she, like, sneaks into someone's house to grind wheat. Wow. And sure enough, the, gra- the ground wheat is sitting around as she's working, and the little doggy of the balabais, right, that she's trespassing on, uh, eats the wheat and gets damaged. Uh, Potter. Um, so a couple of things. First of all, before the animal gets damaged, the question is, does the balabais have to pay for the loss of the wheat, right? The woman came in, she brought in the wheat, the wheat got eaten by the dog. Potter. The answer is the balabais is exempt from having to pay for the eaten wheat. Because after all, she came in unannounced, she trespassed, so, why, so he had no level of culpability, right, for the fact that she was going to come in. He didn't know she was going to come in. There was no way they knew that to keep his dog away and all of that. So he has no culpability at all. She lost that wheat because the dog ate it and she was there without any uh, permission and therefore the balabais is going to be potter. However, Imhuska, let's say the dog got damaged by eating the wheat, chayevus. She is, the converse is, she is actually chayev to pay for whatever damage the wheat does, does to the dog. Asks the Gemara, is this not a violation of Rav's principle of whenever the dog eats it, then nobody's ever going to have to be chayev for it? The Amai asks the Gemara, name a havalah shalotochal. Maybe she could say to the homeowner where she trespassed that, after all, the dog should never have eaten it. The dog did the damage to himself. I'm not a mazik, she says, right? I just, I did, I trespassed, that's true, 
but I didn't damage your dog. Your dog ate the stuff on its own volition, of its own volition, and therefore I shouldn't have to pay for that. Says the Gemara, is this inviolate? Is this um, a contradiction to Rav Salacha? Says the Gemara, Amri umi adifam masnisin. Well, they're going to say, right? We know that in our Mishnah we said that if an animal is harmed by if Barry's uh, peaches harmed Andrew's dog, right? We says do ukimna behem. Don't you remember? Rav said that that case only appeared, right, where the animal slipped. This was how we introduced Rav in the first place. In our Mishnah, we said that Rav said, what was the case where Andrew's dog got damaged? Has to be that he slipped on various beaches. Because if he slipped on various beaches, so then it's like a form of a, of a boar. And that's a scenario where you have Mamun Hamazik. Right? Don't forget, we're learning Bavakama. Bavakama has a lot to do with Mom and Hamazik. Barry's uh, peaches are his possession. And his possession can only cause, if they are in fact, the format in which they cause the damage is very important. Right? So if they're laying there and Andrew's dog slips on it, um, then it's called Mom and Hamazik because it can fit into a format such as boar. Right? That's what we're talking about. So it's actually very interesting. It's not entirely about whether Barry has permission uh, to put the produce there in the first place. We're going to discuss that too. But that's not the only variable, right? Another variable is, does Barry's produce right, cause damage to Andrew's dog in a way that fits within one of the Arba Avos Nazikin? This like, brings us all the way back to the very first page of Avakama. Right? Is there that? That's exactly where where Rav's coming from, right? So now we're already getting a little bit more of a fine-tuned lumdish explanation of what Rav means. Rav, all Rav is saying is that if Andrew's dog eats Barry's produce, that is not fit any of the format of the Arba of Osnazikin. That's not Shane. That's not Regal. It's not Bor. Right? It's not Karen. Right? There is no format where Barry would be liable as a Mazik in that format. And don't forget, when he interpreted our Mishnah, he said that if, in fact, Bar- uh, Andrew's dog would slip on Barry's peaches, well, that would be like Bor. Then Barry would be Chayev. Okay, so what our Gemara is saying now is, why, we already had this, this discussion of the wheat. We can apply that discussion to the Brisa. In other words, anytime you have a food, right, and in that food, the, uh, Andrew's dog gets damaged, we can assume that Rav would say to that format the same thing that he would say to our Mishnah, that it is only going to be a damage if it fits one of the ways of the Arva Arvas Nazikin. If, for example, Andrew's dog slips on it, then that would be like Bor. So he could say, the wheat, what happened? The dog slipped on the wheat. So is, our, is that Brisa any different than our Mishnah? Whatever Rav said to our Mishnah, he would say to our Brisa as well, that the dog slipped on the wheat, and it is for that reason that the woman is going to be chayv. Says the Gemara, the Ka'arila, ma Ka'arila. Well, didn't he know that the brisa can be interpreted in the Mishnah? Like, what are we playing at over here? Is it or isn't it like the Mishnah? Why do we even ask the question if we know that the brisa can be interpreted like the Mishnah? So Gemara says, Amarlach, Bishlam, Amasnisin, So the person who asked the question by bringing this brisa and trying to prove it as a raya against Rav would make the following argument that it has to do with the language of the brisa relative to the language of the Mishnah. Because in the brisa, right, in the Mishnah, Ketani, Imhuska behen. The Mishnah sim- simply said, if it was harmed by it, how is harmed by it? So that language of behen in it implies that maybe it got injured by slipping on it. But here in the Bryce it specifically says, It just says, if you got damaged, and because it doesn't say behen, it got damaged from the fruit, the 
most simple explanation of what damaged would mean would be that it got damaged by eating it. Okay. So the Gemara says, that's not so compelling. But, you know, Rav will simply say, it doesn't matter whether you say, that this little right detail in the, in the language of versus regular is not a thing. Right? Rav is going to say it's the same thing, that just like in the Mishnah, means that she slipped on it. Same too. In the Brisa, regular huska also means that she, that she slipped on the wheat, and therefore our Brisa that we just brought of the wheat is not a challenge at all to our Mishnah. And Rav's principle, if, if you ate it, then uh, there is no mazik, then it is actually still going to be alive. So now we're going to bring another uh, challenge to Rav as follows. Nine lines up at the bottom. Tashma. Again, Barry's bull. Is hanging out in Andrew's yard. No rishus at all. Ve'achal chitin. The bull eats wheat. The history is made right. Dies from the diarrhea. Okay, so Potter. So Andrew is going to be Potter. He didn't know Barry's bull was coming. What's his liability? Barry says, "Can I bring my bull over? Uh, can you watch him while I go to Scranton?" Andrew indeed is going to be chayev. Ve'amai. Why should Andrew be chayev? After all, havalei shelo yochal. You could have said. Right, right. Why is Andrew Chayev? Andrew could say he should have never. Your bull should have never eaten it. He should have employed the principle of Rav. Is this Brisa a, a challenge to Rav? Says the Gemara. No, I'm a Rava. Bershus Ashelo Bershus Karamis. Do you compare the Brisa's case where Barry asked for permission to Rav's case where everything was brought where where everything was without permission? Those cases are completely different. After all, when Barry asked uh, Andrew if he could babysit his bull, so uh, what Andrew did was accept some sort of responsibility for guarding that bull. He knows that he's babysitting Barry's bull, and therefore he's going to be high to pay for any way in which the bull, meaning even, even Rav, even Rav would have to agree there that he's going to that Andrew's going to take responsibility. Why would Rav have to agree? Because as the Gemara continues, even if the ox commits suicide or something, you know, it uh, chokes itself in some way, meaning anything that were to happen, right? Uh, wind comes and blows everything away. Andrew is taking on the responsibility of what? Of like a Shomer Chinam, right? He's doing a favor to you. We are going to get into this, this, this question of whether Andrew takes responsibility or not. It was a machlokas in our Mishnah yesterday about, uh, right, Rebbe versus the Chachamim, like how much responsibility does Andrew take on in a casual relationship over here where he's actually just watching your, your shore as a favor. But let's assume we hold like the Chachamim that takes it more seriously and Andrew is in fact taking responsibility, even though he didn't say so explicitly. Let's, so let's leave that machlokas out of it. Let's assume, however, that when Andrew gives Rishus to Barry, Andrew is taking on some degree of responsibility. Well, guess what? If he takes on the responsibility, that's different. It takes us out of the world of the machlokas of Ra, the idea of Rav, of whether you ate it or not. Because even if a lightning bolt hit the, the bull, um, totally something out of Andrew's control. Andrew has taken on responsibility for it, believe it or not. And therefore, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't really be related to this idea of eating it because even circumstances would normally, Andrew wouldn't be chayev. It's not chayev because Andrew is a mazik. It's chayev because Andrew took on responsibility as a shomer. That's what, uh, that's what the, we're saying. And therefore, we're deflecting that challenge to Rav. Okay? So now, two dots, six lines up on the bottom line of Daisy. Hecha de Kabbalah Let's 
talk a little bit more about this. When Andrew accepted responsibility, right? Barry says, watch this for me, please. Andrew says, by all means, of course I will. Mahu, what is the extent of Andrew's culpability on this? Right? In other words, is Andrew guarding any damage that he accepts upon himself? Or maybe Andrew's also taking on the responsibility for anything that would happen, okay? Uh, even if it wasn't his own Hezek, right? That's exactly the question we just said before. When Andrew says, I'll watch it, does watching it mean that Andrew has to make sure that he doesn't cause any Hezek to the thing while it's there? Or does he have to make sure that nothing happens to it while he's there? Those are two very different things, right? Making sure that nothing happens to it means making sure that lightning doesn't strike. That's very hard to do. So since Andrew can't even avoid that. The only thing is by, take, by giving um, Barry right, by, by agreeing to take it on, is he taking responsibility for any eventuality that might happen to this item? So let's see, Tashma. The Tani Rabbi Huda by Simon Beniskin de Vekarna. This is very interesting. What is Niskin de Vekarna? Well, Vekarna was like a yeshiva. And they had their own set collection of brisos. So we see that Amarayim had collections of brisos. <coughs> and so if you learned in the yeshiva of Beis Karna, you'd be learning the following brisos as follows. Hichnes peros berries, peaches, are in Andrew's backyard, and he never even told him about it. And then an ox comes from somewhere else and eats it. So now this is Phil's ox, okay? It gets fun now. So a third party comes and eats those, those fruit, potter. Okay, so <laughs> Andrew is just, he's in, Flo- he's in California, right? He's in California, and Barry and Phil are just, they're using his backyard, with impunity. Barry's putting his fruit there. Phil's bringing his shore there. And so who has to pay who? Does Andrew have to pay for anything? No, right? Because after all, well, the Bryce that we're going to see as we dissect it talks about the putter and the chayev in very vague terms, and then we're going to have to figure out who it's talking about. So when the Bryce first says putter, it doesn't tell you who's putter. And then it says, however, if Barry brought in the peaches with the shush, chayev, somebody's chayev. The, the Gemara wants to know, man pater, man chayv. Wait, who's pater and who's chayv? What's the case? So let's see. Lav pater balachatza v'chayv balachatza. Is it not talking about Andrew? In other words, if Andrew uh, allows, right, all of the, right, uh, if Andrew doesn't know about it, then it says, if he asks shalom uh, shus, then Andrew's pater, right? Because after all, Andrew was totally unaware of it and therefore he didn't take on any responsibility. Right, and if right, it means that Barry and or Phil right ask for rishus. In which case, it is Andrew that the Bryce is referring to, and therefore Andrew does accept responsibility. Which is to say, any time Andrew uh, is unaware of Barry and or Phil being in his backyard, then he's not high for anything. He's butter. Whereas when Andrew is aware and he gives her shus, he accepts on total responsibility. If that's how you understand putter and chayev and the brisa, then what you come out with is that any time Andrew gives permission, Andrew takes on full responsibility for anything that will happen. That is the first way to understand the brisa. However, the Gemara says that's not necessarily what the brisa says. The, the brisa is just putter chayev, but it doesn't say who's putter chayev. Says so the Gemara, Amri lo. Potter balashar, v'chayev balashar. It's talking about Phil. Phil is going to be potter in a case where there was no permission. Why? 
Because if there's no permission, then why should Phil be chayev? Phil had no idea that the fruit was going to be there. And after all, even though it's true that his shore may have trespassed or not, the bottom line is those fruit had no business being there because Barry did not ask for permission. And therefore, it is, nobody's going to have to pay if Barry's fruit gets ruined because uh, Barry brought him in there without permission and he did so at his own risk. However, if Barry asked Andrew for permission, then of course those fruit belong there. And therefore, it is going to be Phil's responsibility to pay uh, Barry. What's the point here? Well, yeah, because Phil is, has a mom and a mazik. His shore did hezek. This has nothing to do with Andrew, right? So this has nothing to do with Andrew taking on responsibility by allowing Barry to put in the stuff. It is simply a question of when Phil, when his shore goes into the yard, if Barry asks permission for the fruit, so then Phil's going to have to pay because he had a moment of mazik. He had a shore that ate the stuff and of course he's gonna have to pay because the fruit was there and it was sanctioned by Andrew. He allowed it to be there as opposed to if Barry did not ask for permission, then he had no business putting the fruit there. And therefore, even though Phil did a hezek, then it's going to be the kind of hezek that's like in a in a way, as we will see, right? Where, where it's not really something, right? It's something that Barry uh, that Phil's not going to be responsible to pay Barry for, right? So the Gemara says like this, Ibal Hashor, just going to analyze it, he's finally arriving in my brishos, my Wait a minute. If it's Bal Hashor, if it has to do with Phil, so what does it have to do with whether Andrew allowed it or not? Like how does Andrew's permission have anything to do with Phil who has a shore that's a mazik eating Barry's fruit? So now we're going to get into Bava Kama. We're going to again apply these, ish, these issues of Hezek back into the regular Babakam principles as follows. Amri, Gemara's going to say, Birishos, Havaleshen, Birishos, and Nizak. Ah. After all, if Andrew allows Barry to put the fruit into his backyard, then, after all, it's as if, right, as Rashi, the first Rashi of Chesam at Amabes spells it out. Let's read it inside. The cave of the Yavle Baal Chatzar Rishusa, Leiluya Duchta, Akanile Begava, Babale Chatzar Hanizag. Ah. That since Andrew allowed Barry, gave him Rishus to put the stuff in his place, it's as if, and we've seen this already, it's as if he gives that space over to Barry for the purposes of putting his stuff there. Well, guess what? Now, he falls into the category of chatzer hanizak. It's like sdei acher, right? It's like the uh, the idea of where does Shane actually become uh, uh, hezek when it's in rishus hanizak. As we've said, when it comes to the category of Shane, if you go into if you go into somebody's Right. If you trespass and you go into, even in the course of your regular eating, if you're trespassing, then you're going to be chayev for eating that in Rishus and Nizak, as opposed to if you're just doing your regular thing, Shane and regular, and Rishus Rabim is Pater. So that's what's going on. If Andrew gives Rishus, then Barry's stuff there, it's as if it's in his own Rishus, and it's not a Rishus Rabim, and Shane Beregel in Rishus Hanizak is chayev, as opposed to, right? Right, so Amri Bishus, if Andrew gives permission, that's going to be like Shane and Rishus Hanizak, because Barry gets that area sort of given over to him, and therefore when Phil's shore goes in there, 
it's like Shane and Rishus and Isaac, and therefore Phil is going to be chayev for Shane and Rishus and Isaac. However, Shalobershus, if if Andrew does not give permission, Havali Shane Rishus Arabim. It's like Shane Rishus Arabim. It doesn't mean that it turns Andrew's backyard into a thoroughfare, but in terms of the abstract halacha category, as Rashi says, the first skinny line Rishus Arabim lav dafka. In other words, it's not really a thoroughfare. It's not real Rishus Arabim, right? Klomar lav is acher, but what it means is it's not day acher, right? It's not someone else's. Right, Sada, because Barry's stuff, by not being there in a sanctioned way, by being there without permission, it's like throwing it out into a thoroughfare. There's no, he had no business being there. Nobody knew that the fruit was going to be there. And therefore, Vashem, Vashosarabim, Petura. And therefore, if Barry puts it in without permission, it would be tantamount to putting it out in the street where you do so at your own risk. It's like Vashosarabim in terms of the abstract. And therefore, if, right, Phil's, Sure, what he did there, Phil would be putter for Shane Bishos Harabim. And that is why, right, Barry's asking permission or not actually will impact whether Phil has to pay for it or not. Again, Barry's there, not sanctioned. Phil there, not necessarily sanctioned either. But whether it's sanctioned or not by Andrew is going to determine whether Phil's going to be Chayev. Okay, this is all a long way, uh, right? So this is... All from Phil's perspective. So let's go again from Phil's perspective, four lines down, Tashma. Right? We're trying to figure out how much culpability. So right now, that had nothing to do with Andrew's culpability. The, the Rishus more had to do with Phil's culpability and whether, right? So we don't know how much culpability Andrew takes on by allowing, um, by allowing Barry's bull or whatever his fruit to be there. So let's keep going. Okay, so now Phil, he brings his shore, and we know for sure that he didn't ask for permission. The shore is just hanging out in the Balabais. Uva shor, And then Barry's bull, sure enough, comes from elsewhere, gores it out. Potter. Barry is going to be exempt. But if Phil is now having his shore babysat by Andrew with permission, Chayev, then Chayev. Here again, we don't know who's Potter, who's Chayev. Man Potter, man Chayev. So lav pater bal chatzer v'chay bal There too, the same argument we're going to ask. Does all of this not have to do with uh, whether Andrew gave permission and based off of his permission he's chayev or not? Again, in the initial reading of the brayso, we assume that when we're saying pater and chayev, we're talking about Andrew, and we're going to learn something about how much culpability Andrew takes on. But just like we said before, we're going to deflect it again. We're going to say lo pater bal hashor v'chay bal hashor. Just like we said before, we're saying again now that no, this all has to do with by Andrew giving permission or not, does the actual goring shore, is he going to have culpability or not? The only difference is, Barry, and you should have picked up on this, I don't know why you're not jumping out of your seat, is that unlike Shane and Regel, which is completely Rishus dependent, we could have the whole Lumdish argument of whether it's an Rishus Andizak or an Rishus Arabim, Karen, as we said, is Rishus independent, right? Chatsi, Nezek, Nezek, Shalim, that belligerent behavior is going to be, regardless of whether it's an Rishus Arabim or Rishus Yachid, Unless you hold like Rabbi Tarfon. Rabbi Tarfon thought that Karen is Nezek Shalem for a Tom in Rishus Nizak. I don't know if you remember that. That was a unique machlokas. He's like an outlier shita in that regard. So now let's read it inside. It says the Gemara, Lo, Pater Balashar V'chai Balashar. Uh, it's referring not to Andrew's culpability, but rather to, uh, in this case, Barry's culpability for his bull's damage. So says the Gemara, Why did it matter whether Andrew gave Rishus? Says the Gemara, Amri Hamani Rabbi Tarfonhi. That's what this means. In other words, the Gemara was asking, 
wait a minute. We can't give the same answer because we can't just say, oh, if it's with Rishus, it's like Rishus Ha Nizak. And if it's without Rishus, it's like Rishus HaRabim where Shane is Potter. Here, Karen should be independent. So the Gemara, no, Rabbi Tarfan says, what? The Amar Rabbi Tarfan, he's going to remind you, Barry. Mishun Karen Bechetzar Nizak, that actually the uh, damage of Karen is not independent. It is, it's not um, Rishus independent. It's rather more severe in the Chatzar HaNizak. Nezak Shalem Shalem right? Because you're going to pay, Nezak Shalem Shalem, right? So therefore, that means that Karen in Rishus HaNizak is different. Well, now you can re-plug that in, right? You can apply this and say, well, then if that's the case, then Rishus HaNizak is going to, and whether it's Rishus HaNizak or Rishus HaRabim is indeed, as we've already demonstrated, going to depend on whether Andrew allowed it or not, right? So Rishus HaNizak, just like we said before, <laughs> if Barry, if Andrew allows his backyard to be used, then it's going to be like Karen Bechatzar Nizak, and Barry will be uh, culpable according to Rabbi Tarfon. Nezak Shalem, right? Umishalem Nezak Shalem, says the Gemara. However, Shalobershus, Havalei Karen Bechatzar Rabim, right? However, if, if Andrew never allowed Phil or Barry or anybody to go into his backyard with their bulls, so then the whole thing's like Rishus Rabim, Velo Mishalem Nezak Nezak. And according to Rabbi Tarfon, that's where the Tom, right, the bull Tom is paying Chatzin Nezak, and it's like Rishus Rabim, and therefore it is for that reason that we're talking about, right? Uh, whether it, the, it's going to be Nezek Shalem or Chatzin Nezek. And that's why it's going to depend on Andrew's um, permission. But again, it's, Andrew's permission doesn't increase any of Andrew's culpability. Andrew's permission only defines whether the incident is taking place in Rosh Ha Yochid, right? Because if he's giving permission, then that whole incident between Phil and Barry's bull is taking place in Rosh Hashanah Yochid, and therefore there is going to be an Ezek Shalem, according to Rabbi Tarfon. And if Andrew never gave permission, then even though it doesn't turn his backyard into a thoroughfare, in terms of, in the abstract, it's like a thoroughfare in the sense that everybody goes in at their own risk, and therefore you would only have to pay a Chatzin Ezek um, in that case. Beautiful. So now, 15 lines down, he is Sadalta There's a woman who went into, went to bake, the baking trespasser, okay? Asa barcha debesa. So a goat or a dog belonging to the house. So now Andrew's got this oven that everybody wants to use. Somebody sneaks in and uses the oven. Dog comes. Achla lalisha, eats the dough. Chavel mace. And then that overheats the dog and he dies. Chayva ravel ashlumer debei barcha. So rava, when that was brought to him, he obligated the woman to pay for the dead dog. Pay the owner. So are we going to say, Lema Pliga de Rav? Is that case, that incident, going to be a challenge to Rav? Because don't forget, Rav said, if Andrew's dog ate it, then the woman's never going to have to pay because the dog shouldn't have eaten it. The Amar Rav, Havala Shalotochal, right? Because we're just reiterating the case of Rav, that Andrew's dog should have never eaten it. Says the Gemara, no. Amre Hache Hashta, we're going to say, is that really a comparison? Hasam Shalobershus. In Rav's case, where the produce was brought in without permission, Lo Kabbalah Tirusa. Right, then this is an interesting case. The person, this is not talking about Andrew, this is talking about the person who brought it in. The peaches didn't accept responsibility for guarding Andrew's dog. But here the woman went in to bake with what? She entered the house with permission. She accepted responsibility of guarding the animal. Oh, wait a minute. So Rashi explains. This is, this is unlike the idea that the homeowner takes a Christ. This is a unique halacha, right? According to Rashi, he's saying that this is having to do, as we will see in the Hemshech of the Gemara, 
this is a very unique case. This has to do with the tznius of the woman where she takes a chariah. So uh, don't, don't try to compare this case too much because soon enough we're going to see now in the Gemara, this is an outlier case, as the Gemara now asks. The Gemara says, Wait a minute. How are you going to... We just learned about a woman that came to grind wheat in the Baal Ba'i Shalobashos. And we said that that was a very analogous case. Now we're talking about baking and everything's being turned around. Now we're saying that the woman takes responsibility. Why is it that the woman came to grind wheat, we were talking about whether Andrew has responsibility. Now when the woman's coming in to bake, we're talking about whether the woman has responsibility for Andrew's dog. What just happened? Says the Gemara. Right? In the case of the grinding wheat, Vachaltan Behem Chayavas. In that case, we said that if Andrew's dog eats it, then after all, if he, then, then he's going to be exempt for paying for the wheat if she came in without permission. However, and if, in fact, Andrew's dog got damaged and she is chayev, right? Again, we said it was completely dependent on whether she asked for permission or not. If she didn't ask for permission, so then she's going to be responsible for everything. And we said, And we said that the whole idea was there, was that if she didn't ask for permission, then of course... Um, she's going to be chayev. However, if she entered with his permission, then she'd be putter from paying the damages. So what's going on here where we're saying that the woman that's baking has an extra degree of responsibility? Says the Gemara, The case is like this. When a woman comes in to grind, she doesn't need so much privacy because apparently you can grind and not have to roll up your sleeves. Okay? And therefore, the owner of the yard doesn't need to, to clear the premises. That's what, lo bayi mesalke marvasa, Andrew doesn't have to clear, Andrew is the mar here, doesn't have to clear the premises, the chatzar nafshayu, right? The alay didei rami netirusa, and therefore, since Andrew can be roaming around while the woman is grinding the wheat, he takes on the responsibility of guarding and it still stands on him because after all, he's the balabais. However, but when women come in to bake, that's a whole different thing, as Rashi says. You have to roll up your sleeves. She needs her privacy. So it is understood in that scenario that Andrew leaves the whole place to her. Well, once he leaves the place to her, so when he leaves, once he leaves the whole place to her, now the culpability is on her, right? The responsibility of guarding rests on her. And it is for that reason that she takes on responsibility for Andrew's dog and for anything that else happens. So it really has to do with the uniqueness of that case. Every case is so case dependent. That is understood where that Andrew's giving over responsibility to her. And it is for that reason that she's chayv. It has nothing to do with Andrew's responsibility or anything like that. So very interesting question of how much responsibility does Andrew take? We will get back to you, Andrew, with, regard, with regards to that. But now... 15 lines up in the Y, two dots. Okay. Let's talk about Barry's bull again. Barry, you're bringing in the bull in the backyard while Andrew's away. You're taking advantage. You don't tell him. It's not a good thing. And now your bull is wreaking havoc and it's digging ditches. Fascinating idea that any damage that your bull does to the courtyard of Andrew, you're going to be chayev for Barry. However, Andrew is going to be chayev for the nizkim of Bor. We already discussed, right? This is going to actually, I'll have to explain it inside, that it's going to have to fit the parameters. In other words, Andrew's going to have to declare his property ownerless, right? People are going to have to then be, he's going to have to turn it into a park, right? It's going to have to fit the parameters of where Bor would actually be chayev. 
But be that as it may, what's the Chiddush here, Barry? That even though Andrew didn't himself dig the pit, it was really your bull that, pit, that dug the pit, Andrew is basically taking on the responsibilities of the pit by owning it, so to speak, right? <laughs> Actually, by declaring it ownerless. But the point is, by saying, oh, by turning the pit into something that would be chayv and bore, even though Andrew didn't physically dig the, the ditch, he's going to be the one that's responsible because he could have filled it in too, right? And he didn't have to finish off all the parameters that would make it chayv. That's what we're saying over here. Says the Gemara. Even though the language of the Pasuk is that a man is proactively digging the ditch, and not that some uh, bull is digging the ditch. Here, since Andrew, when he came back from California, should have filled the ditch, and he did not do so, he did not do so, Andrew, you take on the responsibility as if you had dug the ditch yourself. Okay? And therefore, you're going to be hired for Nizke Bor. Mind you, any Nizke Shor that uh, Barry's bull does uh, proactively, Barry will be high for. So now, related to that, eight lines from the right, I'm a rabbi, 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 I'm Regarding this, Rabbi said like this, Barry's bull again is there without permission, and it damages somehow the place. Or the homeowner, it trips over it. Chayv, right? Barry is going to be high for all of these things. However, a weird idea here, Ravat's putter. Rava said that if something dropped down, so then Barry will be putter for that kind of damage. What's going on? Mishum de Rava's putter? What are you talking about? Because the bull fell down, it's putter? So Amar of Papa, of Papa is explaining Rava as follows. My Rava's, Rava's means, she hear bits galalim. It just means if, uh, if the ox drops down some dung, and in so doing, right, it sullies, um, let's say, um, all of the, the clothes that are in the clothesline out there in Andrew's yard, then it's going to be putter. Why? Because the dung of Barry's bull is, has the category of boar. Mind you, that's only true once it hits the ground. And as we've already said, boar does not have to be an actual pit, but it's any like kind of stumbling thing that is ownerless. And there is a unique characteristic, which you've already mentioned of boar, that kalim are not chayev boar, right? Kalim are not going to be chayev and bor. So it's, it's a unique thing. That's what Rav is alluding to. Barry's, Barry's bull drops dung. The dung is on the ground. The clothes flies from a clothesline into the dung. Andrew comes back from California. He's like, Vusidus, my shirt, my suit is ruined. It's irretrievably ruined. So it, it happens to be that Andrew should have cleared off the dung, and he didn't. It therefore became a bore. And now that it's a bar, it's ownerless, by the way. And Barry's not chayev, because it happens to be the bar is not chayev, but Kalim, and clothes are Kalim. Uh, this is the classic idea. I was talking to somebody, a patient actually of mine yesterday, that got started with the DAF, with the Nair Tamid initiative. It's a whole thing for the soldiers. And they were telling me, I, I said, what, what has, so how's it going? Bubba Kama. She's like, I don't understand. Like, uh, a, a shirt is, 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 a, is, a, is a clee. And dung is a bore, and like, you know, she's, you know, we're talking about abstract terms, right? And that's exactly how we're becoming lawyers, Andrew. We're, we're understanding that this is not, we don't care so much about bulls. We care about the abstract terminology as far as the halachic implications, right? So, anyway, you can't talk about bore without bringing up the Shmuel. This whole concept 
of the, this becoming a boar only makes sense according to Shmuel. Why? Because I'll remind you what the Machlokas Rav Shmuel regarding boar was as follows. The Amar called to call a borhu. It was Shmuel who said that any obstacle like dung can become a boar whether the owner retains possession of it or not. If it's, right, an obstacle, if it's a knife or a backpack or whatever, it could be a boar. Remember that? El Rav, but if you'll recall, Rav said the Amar... Ad demafkele. Rav said that in order to be considered a boar, it has to be the mamish like an ownerless boar in Rishis Rabim. Well, if it's own, or not necessarily in Rishis Rabim, but it has to be ownerless. Well, this is this ownerless? Ma'ikalamema. What are you going to say? I mean, Barry owns the bull. He owns the bull's dung, right? So, so according to Rav, Barry, it's not really a boar. It should really be classified as a shore because it's not ownerless. One of the things that defines boar is that it's ownerless. This is not an ownerless piece of dung. This is a piece of dung that can be traced back to Barry. So, Amre, stam glalim afkurim Right, so they would answer, yeah. Once the dung hits the ground, Barry is mafkurit. It can be assumed that it's ownerless, and therefore even Rav would say that it has the right parameters of boar. Very good. Okay. The Amar Rava, another idea, five lines up. So, again, you enter the the Andrew's backyard and you do damage. Oh, Balabayas Huzak Bo. Or the Balabayas becomes Huzak Chayev. Hiziko Balabayas Pater. But if the homeowner did, did uh, any damage to him, then he's going to be Pater. This is another way of saying a trespasser takes on all the responsibility. And if anything happens to Andrew, or if Andrew does anything to the trans- trespasser, Andrew's not Chayev. So Amar of Papa, again, he's going to qualify Rava's ruling as follows. He says, Right? This idea that Andrew is going to be exempt from any damage that he does to a trespasser is only when Andrew had no idea about this trespasser coming and had no way to expect it. But where? It was somebody called. Phil calls Andrew and he says, do you know Barry's hanging around your backyard? So now Andrew's aware. Now, Andrew, if you do, there's no, right, plausible deniability. If you Say, right, if you do damage to Barry Chasvashalom, you're going to be Chayev. Even though Barry didn't ask for permission and he's indeed a trespasser, you're going to be Chayev because you were aware of it. My time asking right? Because Barry could say to Andrew, even though you could chase me away out of your backyard, you could chase me away, but you can't just potch me. What are you doing? Right? In other words, Andrew is aware of Barry's. Uh, presence and he's proactively injuring Barry. You can't do that. It's true that Barry's a trespasser, but you have to politely escort him out of there. You don't just cause him nezek. Okay, that you don't have the right to do. Says the Gemara, the Tamayu and Rava and Rav Papa here. They're they're collabing with their and consistent with their own reasoning. The Amar Rava Itamar Papa because some say it was Rava who said it. Some say it was Rav Papa who said what. As we turn to Rechesim Beis, and we lean on Rashi a lot over here, Shneim Bershus, when two people are in a certain place and both of them have Bershus, O Shneim Shalom Bershus, or neither of them have Bershus, as Rashi explains, that either, as we've already said in cases earlier in the Masechta, two people are running in a Bershus Harabim, uh, so they, you know, right, they have Bershus, they don't have Bershus, if you do damage to one another, then in a proactive way, Intention. We'll go with the Rambam. The Rambam in Hilchos Chovalamazik says if they do so, Rashi and the Rambam uh, explain this Gemara differently. We'll go with Rambam. Rambam says Hizikuzetz. I mean, if they are mazik each other intentionally, Chayavin fits real nice. If if Barry and Andrew are allowed to both be there, or they're both not allowed to be there, the point is if there's no discrepancy where one's allowed to be there and the other is not, then any intentional damage that you do to each other, you're Chayav. 
However, means unintentional. You bump into each other, paturin. Then you're going to be puttered. Taima. What's the reason? So it sounds like the shnei brishus or shnei shalobrishus that it's only when they're both allowed to or both not allowed to be there that it matters whether it's intentional or not. However, however, if Barry's meandering in Andrew's backyard without any permission, right? then the person who's allowed to be there, like Andrew, hanging out in his own backyard with a martini, he's potter because he's just trying to relax. But Barry is going to be chayv because he's trespassing. He's not supposed to be there. Okay? So this is how the Ramam explains it, right? So it, we see that this is consistent with Rava because after all, and, and it's consistent with Rav Papa's qualification, which is to say, if both of them are allowed to be there, if one's a trespasser, then you're going to be chayv. Right? But that's only if he does so actively, according to the Rambam, right? Uh, so again, just to, just to clarify what the, when the Rambam codifies it, if both of them are allowed to be there, so then you're going to be, then you're going to be uh, chayev based on only if you did it intentionally. So that's consistent, right? In other words, even, whether you're a trespasser or not, if you're intentional, so then you're going to be chayev. If you're doing unintentionally, and you're allowed to be there, then you're going to be putter. It's just as simple as that. The only little wrinkle is that even if, right, Barry's not supposed to be in Andrew's backyard, if Andrew injures him intentionally, he's going to be chayev. Whereas, obviously, unintentional, he's not going to be chayev. But Barry, even if he does unintentional damage, will be chayev as a trespasser. And that's consistent with everything we've learned. Consistent with the Papa, the great Gadol. Consistent with Rava, the great Gadol, the genius. Okay? And consistent with the Rambam. So we're all good. Okay, five lines down in the two dots. Now Barry's bull falls into the cistern. Oh boy. You can't drink that water anymore. But again, and Rashi's going to explain this. The only way that this is going to work, that you're going to be chayev for ruining the water, is if as the ox fell down, right, all the, all the dirt on it actively ruined the stuff. But if, let's say, you have just a boar, uh, an ox floating in this water, potter, you're going to be potter. Why? Why is Barry potter? My time, I have a shore boar. It's because this is a case where the shore has a category of boar, where Barry was mafkirit, let's say, well, as we'll see, right? And therefore, once it's no longer an active, proactive kind of hezek, it is indeed going to be a bor, umayim, kalim. And the maim, right, water, water is kalim, shor is bor, right, because it's all a halachic category, as Rashi explains. And so, so the maim is kalim because, as Rashi explains, kol chafatzim ke kalim, the of bebor, right, any uh, object is like kalim, and a kalim is not chayav bebor, and we have a detail within the halachas of bar that you're not high for kalim and bar. So the Gemara asks, as we said before, Shmuel doesn't care whether it's owned or not. He's going to say that anything that's not where it's supposed to be is, can have the category of bar. But according to Rav, isn't it Barry's bull? Rav only holds that it's a bar if it's ownerless. How does he learn that case? As the Gemara, it has to be a revision of the statement. What the case was as follows. This is not talking about but it actually, the ox fouled it up with his body. This is where Rashi says also, this is the stuff that was on it, right? But if what happened was the bull died and then the carcass was what ruined the water, then in fact Barry is going to be potter. My time, 
Because then, grama be'amahu, then it's not considered direct damage, but causative damage after the fact. Grama be'amahu don't mechayev, and Barry is not chayev for causative damage. So again, a very, uh, a very uh, unusual case where how do you define the bull that's floating in the cistern? A lot of lambdas here, but um, that is the, how a boar is going to be potter, or grama is going to be potter in these cases. Again, <laughs> Barry really should be kind of chayev in civil law. But when we talk about Arba Avos Nazikin, you can't find a category, it's a slippery case, where a boar falls into a cistern, where's the moment of mazik? There's nothing proactive, maybe it's a causative, there's, it, may, it may or may not be a boar, so it has to, the halachas become right, very specific to Dalat Nazikin. Okay, so now, 15 lines down in the two dots, to cover. there's no Barry, there's no Andrew, it's a totally different case, uh, far, far away, a tragedy. Uh, a bull falls on a person and kills them. So our Mishnah said that the owner of the bull has to pay the kofar if somebody gets killed. Why? Ha-tamhu. This has to be a tam. So why does he have to pay kofar? We're going to see why it has to be a tam. So Amarav, b'muad lipal b'nei adam b'voros askinan. We're dealing with an ox that's muad, very, very specific, as we learned in previous prakim that a shore can be muad for a specific thing. This shore is habitually falling onto people in pits and killing them. So says the Gemara, If that's the case, then right away we should have put the ox to death. In other words, there is no case where you have a shore that survives to become a muad in a certain thing. That's the point. Because since we're talking about a calamity where somebody gets killed, if a shore is really a muad, that shore would have been killed already a long time ago. So how does it survive? So it's a very unusual case of the unintentional muad, says the Gemara. Amar Yosef, the Chaza Yeruk of Anafo, the, what happened was the unintentional, right, shore is a klutz. It always sees vegetation at the edge of the pit, and it falls for it every time, literally and figuratively. It starts eating it and falling. So that ha- that's how it became a muad. But when it actually does so habitually, but does so unintentionally, you have this double thing where the first three times he could become a muad, but he's not going to get killed because he actually never did it intentionally. And now this fourth time you're going to have to pay kofar. Or, Shmuel Amar Hamani, what's the case? How do you have kofar? Rabbi Yossi Aglili. It's talking about the case of Rabbi Yossi Aglili, the Amar Tamisham Chatsi Kofar. Because Rabbi Yossi Aglili happens to hold that not only does a Muad pay kofar, but Tam also pays Chatsi Kofar. That's another explanation. A third explanation, Ulama, Rabbi Yossi Aglili, Damar Karabi Tarfal, Damar Karabi Right? The aforementioned Rabbi Tarfon that holds that Chetzar and Nizak is different, and there you're paying Nizak Shalom, and therefore Hachanami Kofar Shalom Shalom, and therefore that would also apply to Kofar, just like Rabbi Tarfon holds that you pay Nizak Shalom uh, in Chetzar and Nizak. He also is going to say that this Tam and Muad thing, that Nizak Shalom is, that Chetzar and Nizak is really Lechol Dover, like a situation uh, where Karen really both pays Kofar and Nizak Shalom. Wow. So says the Gemara, According to Ula, I understand why he has a son and a father, because after all, you're going to talk, you're going to talk about a kofar, because, uh, be, uh, because after all, um, that has, gives them, the reason it's mentioning father and son is because they are allowed to be there. And it's for that reason that, they're, that the shore is that's trespassing, and that's why he's paying the kofar, right? According to Shmuel, why are you using in case of Avib? No. Uh, this would apply to anyone, says the Gemara. The Mishnah is teaching you the most common case. In other words, who's most commonly going to happen to? The father or the son that are there. But it would be true that it would be also applicable if anybody else was there. So we'll resume tomorrow. Bezat Hashem. And the two dots in the middle of the page of Memchesamid Bez.
Right.